0: PART Twelve of A Guide to the Lakes by Thomas West This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Penrith So much is already said of this sweet town, that nothing remains new to be added here. The situation is pleasant, open to the south. It is tolerably well built, and rather a genteel than a trading town. The townspeople are civil, the inns commodious and well served, the company are polite and communicative to strangers. Beside the few resident families, the life of this town is, the being a thoroughfare for travellers. For although it be seated in the midst of a rich and fruitful country, no manufacturers have been induced to fix here. Before the interest of the sister kingdoms became one, Penrith was a place of uncertain tranquillity, and too precarious for the repose of trade and manual industry, being better circumstanced for a place of arms and military exercise. Yet, since the happy change of spirit, no more than one branch of tanning, and a small manufacture of cheques have taken place. This must be owing to want of attention in the people of property, or of industry in the inhabitants. The latter is not to be supposed, for the spirit of agriculture introduced by the gentlemen of the environs is in as flourishing a way amongst the farmers of this neighbourhood as in other parts of the kingdom. The superfluities of the market are bought up for Kendal, where much of that is wanting which superabounds here. The most remarkable objects here are the beacon on the summit of the hill above the town and the awful remains of a royal fortress on the crest of rising ground that commands the town it is supposed to be an erection of henry the 6th out of the ruins of a much more ancient structure called mayborough but this is not very probable since stones are easier quarried here than they could be got there but as popular records have always some fact to rest upon and truth in the bottom so some facings and other principal stones being taken from mayborough give rise to the tradition There might also have been a stronghold here in the time of the Romans. At present the buildings are ruins in the last stage. One stone arched vault remains, that from its situation has been the keep no longer terrible since the border service ceased, and the mutual intercourse of trade and alliance happily taken place of national reprisals and family feuds. The antiquity of this town is supposed to be found in its name, being of British derivation, from pen and Rud, signifying in that language a red head or hill, and such is the colour of the hill above the town and the ground and stones around it. But with respect to situation, it may as well be derived from pen the head and rin a promontory, and so be referred to the Beacon Hill. But it may be judged a more honourable etymon to derive the name from Pen and Rid, Rid of Ridge to make free, and that on account of special service of fidelity to the Roman government. The Britons of this town were emancipated from the abject slavery that the nation in general was subjected to by their tyrannical masters. And on that occasion, the town was made free, and the inhabitants were honoured with the title of principal freemen, which they translated into their own language by Penrith and was pronounced by the britons as by the welsh at this day penrith it has been the happiness of this town to remain a royal franchise through all the ages of feudal servitude at least since the reign of edward the without the encumbrance of a charter and is peaceably governed by the steward of the honors and a free jury the honors of both town and castle belong to the truly noble duke of portland In the churchyard are some sepulchral monuments, which have long been the subject of antiquarian speculation, not yet decided. Thus much is evident that the pillars are of one stone, formed like the ancient spears, the shafts round for about seven feet high. Above that, they appear to be square, and to have terminated in a point. They are about ten feet high, stand parallel with the church, distant from each other fifteen feet. The space between is enclosed with circular stones, by some conjectured to represent boars. There remains visible on the upper part of the pillars some ornamental work, but no inscription or figures appear at present. And the stones are so much fretted by time that it rests upon mere conjecture to affirm that there ever were any such. They probably mark the tomb of some great man or family before the custom was introduced of interring within churches, and are probably British, or must be Saxon. There are many pleasing rides in the environs of Penrith. Most of them lead to curious remains or ancient monuments or modern improvements. In Winfield Park are the Countess Pillar, the White Hart Tree, and the Three Brother Tree. The first is a filial tribute of Anne, Countess Dowager of Pembroke, to the memory of her pious mother mary countess dowager of cumberland the others are the remains of aged oaks that have long outlived their own strength one of them is upwards of nine yards in circumference broom castle is an awful ruin the brovoniacum of the romans and since that the bullock of westmoreland on that side and the pride of its earls for many descents in a gallery overhead is a stone with a Roman sepulchral inscription much defaced. At Little Salkeld is the largest druidical circle in the northern parts. Near eamont Bridge is Arthur's round table, and at a small distance from it is Mayborough, both of remote antiquity and doubtful use. The first may be presumed to have been a place of public exhibition for martial exercises, and the latter has the conditions of a British fort, but the rude pillar inclines some to believe it the remains of a druid temple. It is entirely formed of loose stones and pebbles, collected from the adjacent rivers and fields. That the height has once been great, may be collected from the vast breadth of the base, increased by the fall of stones from the top. It encloses a circular area of 80 yards or more, and near the middle, stands a red stone, upwards of three yards high. The entrance is on the eastern side and opens to a sweet view of Broom House, to which the rude pillar, when whitened, and of this Mr Broom is very careful, is a fine obelisk. If the name of this very extraordinary monument was Brain Gwynne, then Mr Pennant from Rowland has pointed out the use of a supreme consistory of druidical administration, as the British name imports. But if the present name be a Saxon corruption of the ancient name, which probably was Mifirion, by the Saxons pronounced Maybirion or Maybir, and to bring it still nearer to their own language, Mayborough, then this conjecture, being admitted, it will signify a place of study and contemplation, such places the Druids had, and were the public schools destined for the colloquial instruction of pupils in the mysteries of religion and the arcana of civil government. Druidical remains are frequent in this neighbourhood. Many of them are analogous, but Mayborough is such a stupendous construction that it must have been designed for some extraordinary use. From the beacon the views are many, all extensive and vast. The eye is in the centre of a plain enclosed with a circle of stupendous mountains of various forms and awful heights. The plain itself is adorned with many ancient towns and more ancient castles, stations, and castellums where the Roman eagle long displayed her wings. but in these more happy days is possessed by a happier people who enjoy with freedom their pleasant seats and charming mansions that meet the eye whichever way the head is turned, marked with all the refinements of liberal taste and flourishing industry. Haweswater may be conveniently visited from Penrith, returning from it by the ruins of Shap or Hep Abbey to Shap. The remains of this abbey are inconsiderable, yet picturesque. A square tower with piked windows is the chief part of the ruins, and does honour to the reign of King John when it was built for canons of the Premonstratensian order, that had been first placed near Preston Patrick in Kendal by Thomas, son of Gospatrick. This abbey was dedicated by the first founder to St. Mary Magdalene, and he endowed it with a large portion of his lands in Preston in Kendal. His son translated it to Magdalene Vale near Shap and further endowed it with the lands of Carroll or Carlwath. Robert de Veteripont, Vipont, First Lord of Westmoreland, confirmed the precedent grants and added to that of Matilda, his mother and Ive, his brother the tithes of all his mills, and of game killed in his lands in Westmoreland. This grant is dated on Saturday April 24th, 13th of King John. From this sequestered spot, continue the route to the village of Shap, a proper place for refreshment before you face Shap Fells, a dreary melancholy tract of 12 miles. On the east side of the road soon after you leave the village, Observe a double range of huge granites pitched in the ground and at some distance from each other, leading to circles of small stones and increasing the space between the rows as they approach the circles where the avenue is about twenty-seven paces wide. They are supposed to have run quite through the village and terminated in a point. It has long embarrassed the antiquaries what to call this very uncommon monument of ancient chronology. Mr. Pennant has given a plausible explanation of it from Olius Magnus, and supposes them to be the recording stones of a Danish victory obtained on the spot, and the stony circles to be the grateful tribute to the memory of consanguineous heroes slain in the action. There is at a small distance to the east from these stones a spring called Spore, in smell and taste like that of Harrogate, much frequented by the people of the country for scorbutic complaints and eruptions of the skin. Leaving behind you this gloomy region of black moors and shapeless mountains, approach a charming vale, which Mr. Young, in his elegant manner, describes thus. After crossing this dreary tract, the first appearance of a good country is most exquisitely fine. About three miles from Kendal, you at once look down from off this desolate country, upon one of the finest landscapes in the world a noble range of fertile enclosures richly enamelled with most beautiful verdure and coming to the brow of the hill have a most elegant picture view of a variegated tract of waving enclosures spreading over hills and hanging to the eye in the most picturesque and pleasing manner that fancy can conceive three hills in particular are overlooked cut into enclosures in a charming style of themselves forming a most elegant landscape and worthy the imitation of those who would give the embellishments of art to the simplicity of nature the station from whence this description is taken is about the midway between the third and fourth milestone on the top of a rock on the east side of the road called stone crag which cannot be mistaken the three hills referred to in the description are on the near ground of the landscape there are many beautiful hills and knolls scattered about the valley, some cultivated, others covered with wood or shining in the softest verdure. But the most remarkable for picturesque form is an oval green hill, crowned with the ruins of a castle. It divides the valley and overlooks a town hanging on the side of a steep mountain. This is Kendal. End of part twelve.